Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 269, Thankful for His List or Yours. I am Anita Helm, and this is being brought to you by Fordos Production. Tonight, we are so excited because not only are we having an opportunity to talk about something I think is will be a unique perspective regarding our preparation for Thanksgiving, we're also preparing for our first debut uh, audio taping of Ponytail Chronicles, our episode, which is going to be an informal discussion with some women about the importance of our mental health and how our hair is affected. We are more than our hair. So I want to get right into it. For those of you who are planning or thinking about Thanksgiving, this is going to be a great opportunity because it's going to show you the compare and contrast between humility and our pride. And you're like, how is it possible that we're going to be dealing with pride for Thanksgiving? But who are we really thanking? Who are we thankful for? What are we thankful for? And in the teachings tonight, you're going to see some scriptures. And the reason why I use the word list, because even my first example, we know how when you get ready for Thanksgiving, everybody's thinking about what we're going to eat. Are we going to need some good groceries? And we have to make sure that we have all the food and all the sides and all the desserts and the drinks and make sure we know who's coming and get all that logistics down because it's all about the food. Where it used to be a focus about Thanksgiving, giving thanks to God, it's now let's have a great reunion. And all of that is wonderful. Having family over to celebrate together, the fellowship is all wonderful. But something about our thanksgiving is starting to push God more and more out. So I wanted to show some scriptures tonight because as we start to prepare for thanksgiving and wherever we're going to be with whoever we're going to be, I want us to keep in the back of our mind, are we keeping God and his thankfulness and his praise and thanksgiving? So the first example is going to come out of Numbers 11. Now in Numbers 11, what you're going to see is that the nation of Israel has been delivered and God has them in the wilderness. It was supposed to be 11 days, 11 days, one, one, 11 days. And it took them 40 years. And all of the people except for two did not make it because instead of being grateful, thankful, appreciative, having that heart of thanksgiving, they complained, they murmured, they were always upset with Moses and Aaron, but they were really upset with God. So I want you to see this listing because what I'm going to show you is that they are going to embrace the history and the remembrance of their slavery, of their bondage when it comes to what they have now being free with what God has done and what they think about what was the good old days of the past. And so this first list, I'm going to call it the grocery list so that we can have a comparison about what we're doing about humility versus pride. So this grocery list is what they're going to throw up in Moses's face, but ultimately God's face to say, you know, it was better with our slave masters, our task masters, the people that treated us bad than how you all are treating us now. So go to Numbers chapter 11. We're going to start at verse four. And I want y'all to notice that this mixed multitude that they talk, you can be a lot, around a lot of different people, but if the people that are around you your friends, your counterparts, the people that are in your neighborhood, whoever they are that you're listening to, that you're getting influenced by, you can find that you start to grumble and complain just like them. And regardless of how it started, God does not like that. So in verse four, it says, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to the intense craving 
So the children of Israel also wept again. First thing on their list is they're weeping, they're crying, being influenced by the cravings of others. So they're weeping. Israel also wept again and said, who will give us, there's number two, meat to eat. We remember the fish, number three, fish, which we ate freely in Egypt, their bondage, their captivity in Egypt. They were able to eat. They were able to think about the fish they got freely and they're crying about it. Then they said here, the cucumbers, number four, the melons, number five, the leeks, number six, the onions, number seven, the garlic, number eight. But then they throw in God's face. But now, but now, God, look what you got us in now. But now our whole being is dried up. But you're free. But they're complaining. Dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna. The one thing God is providing for us, this manna before our eyes. So they listed all this thing from their list of what they said they used to have. And some people in relationships that were bad and thank God he got you out of it. You go and look about the past, all the good things, but not how the guy beat the hell out of you or all these things about your finances and how you were so broke. You couldn't even uh, get a piece of bread because you had such bad credit. All these things that we think of are our past, but here these people have been delivered. So let's go to God's list of what we should be praying for. Go to Psalms 136. We're going to start at verse 10. We saw what Numbers 11 had as their list. And now we're going to see what is the list that we should be praying to give praise to God for what he did to these same people that were complaining, saying, all we have before our eyes is this darn manna you've given us, God. So verse 10 of Psalm 136, talking about God and giving him praise and why we're giving him praise. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever, and brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck great kings, for his mercy endures forever. Now that's God is sharing all the stuff that he did for these same people who have a bent upper lip because they can't stand of what God has done. And then you're going to see God's going to give them quail to they almost want to choke to death on it. But the thing of it is, you can remember the past in a way that makes you think that what God's doing now is somehow inadequate. And that's not the case. When it comes to his list, Psalm 136, or this list in Numbers 11, there's no comparison. One of them is worthy to say his mercy endures forever, his gratefulness, his love. But yet these people were thinking about their past. They elevated garlic and onions as opposed to saying God took care of Pharaoh and his army and drowned them in the Red Sea. The people that were causing them to be in slavery 
They would rather say that they were thankful for that stuff than thankful what God had done. Now that's just one example. Let's go to another example. Let's go to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. In this case, we're going to move from groceries to show you that we have a situation even in our thanksgiving and our thankfulness where it's false praise to God, where on the surface, it looks like that we're praising God. It looks like if somebody just looks, oh, they just love God. They're just such great Christians. They're just so appreciative. But when you start peeling back the layers, you find that God sees through all that phoniness. And this rich young ruler is coming to God to say all these things and ask him a question Give him a little, you know, kiss, kiss. Oh, master, oh, rabbi, all this stuff. But ultimately, he wants to be praised in front of the people because when he starts to hear all this list that Jesus is going to put out, he's going to say, I've done all this since my youth. I deserve a merit badge because I've done all this since my youth. And Christ is going to look at him and say, one thing on his list is you lack. And instead of being thankful for God to expose that now before you get to heaven, and find out that you're being rejected, this guy walks away. And there are some of us who are Christians that would love to pat ourselves on the back. And there's going to be a lot of pride in the teaching tonight, which will be pretty simplistic. But in this case, the rich young ruler, he wants to find out from Christ how good he is, how much he's really deserving of everybody's just bowing down to see how great he is. And look what it says in verse 17 of Matthew 10. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Here's the list. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. So he gives six do nots from the teachings of the commandments from Exodus 20. The guy had knelt down to show some level of humility, like he was really trusting Jesus to be a, a great rabbi. But Christ kind of says, you know this. So what's going on here? He's asking this. But then the guy comes back and says, verse 20, and he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. I've done this since I was a boy. This list, I got covered, Jesus. You don't have to worry. I've done all of this. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing, one thing on Jesus's list. He listed off six different attributes of the Ten Commandments. And the guy says, I've done this since my youth. I'm good. Give me my pat on the back. I'm good. I'm going to inherit eternal life. But Jesus had to look at him in love, love that would, should have been thankful because once God identifies something that you need to work on, we should be grateful for that because he disciplines the ones that he loves but he also finds that he tells us the truth about ourselves. One thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions 
and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. He was not interested in the treasure in heaven. He wasn't interested in selling his stuff because his stuff is what made him important in his own life, important in his own mind. And even as some of us are going to have these beautiful array tables, these beautiful houses, these beautiful cars, these beautiful possessions in this natural realm, we are thankful for them, those things. And God is going to say, you have to understand eternal life is not about those things. There's no U-Haul coming behind that casket. And he wants to tell the truth to many of us. You can be thankful and grateful to God for how he's blessed you and I. All, very true. But when the possessions possess you, and this is what's going to happen. Jesus says, sell. And then he says, and come follow me. Make a decision to go and sell all you have and give to the poor. Give to somebody that's not had like you had. But then he says something, come follow me. He's gone too far. Jesus on his one list to go and sell and give. Go, sell, give, come. Go, sell, give, come. He didn't want to be thankful for that word because he was expecting to get his pat on the back. And now Jesus messed up, gone too far. And look at his reaction. But he was deeply dismayed by these words. These verbs shocked him. Go sell, give, and come, and follow him. He's dismayed by these words. And he went away grieving. He wasn't thankful for what Christ had just told him. His list of what he's been doing since his youth was puffing himself up, was making him feel like, I'm ready for the eternal kingdom. Yeah, I can bow down to Jesus. It's, this is all good. I can, I can kiss up to him. But now, what is he asking me to do? That's too much. He not only left and went away from Jesus, he was grieving. He was grieving the fact that he even was asked to give that up. He was asked to go with him. He was asked to follow him. And he recognized he loved his possessions more than he loved God. And what he had been doing in the Ten Commandments was all show. It was religion, not relationship, because we have a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus asked us to do things for eternity. He asked things regarding heaven, the kingdom of God, treasures in heaven. But here in the 21st century, like the rich young ruler, well, as we start to proceed to Thanksgiving, are we more thankful for the stuff we have, the treasures where moth and rust us corrupt versus the treasures in heaven and what Christ really wants, which is a relationship with him. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus responded again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. You know, I saw a tragic story today. It is another example of how people 
who are celebrities, rich, wealthy, entertainers, people that are what we would call famous, how they are losing their children to overdoses and things that are causing their children to leave here a lot sooner than most would expect. And it's painful, it's hurtful, it's devastating, grief-stricken. We have a lot of possessions. We have a lot of things that people admire. But with these bigger houses, these lands, these cars, these assets, the people inside these buildings are not building homes that have Christ in them or have faith in them or have mom and daddy in them or have truth in them. They have a lot of things and possessions. But when you gravitate to all of that, Satan will give you all of that and it will look like it's going very well until he lowers the boom and he's still, he's all, he's a thief, steal, kill and destroy. And families week by week, month by month, overdose child here, overdose child here, murder child here. These things are happening because the devil is a liar. He's a thief. And he knows that his time is winding down. And for those of us who don't understand how we have to be thankful for every day of grace that God gives us, and we have to share that truth with our children, with our family members, we're going to realize that when it's time for thankfulness, if we're thankful for our list and ignoring the Lord's list, the Lord's list of his grace, his mercy, his truth, his patience, his long suffering, the word, the the word that became flesh, we are more thankful for the things in this world than we are for Jesus. And that's not going to work. It's not working as we see here for the nation of Israel. It's not going to work for the rich young ruler. And let's go to Luke chapter 18, verse 11. Here is the first of two examples of the Pharisees, the people who are supposed to be learners of the scriptures. The scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees were supposed to be the teachers of the law to teach the people. But what happens sometimes, even in the clergy, even in the people that say they love God, they're their ministers, they've been called, you can find that you are so into the pretense of your titles and your positions that you start to take a posture that you are the one that deserves the thankfulness. You are the one that deserves the praise and not God. And so you have a uppity tone, a puffed up tone. You are the one. And they are, they're beneath you. They're the other. It's us versus them. And this Pharisee is going to start a list that I want you to see. And we read these scriptures fast. And I know I'm doing the discussion of this a little uniquely, but I want us to say and prepare for this time of Thanksgiving, not just Thursday coming, but every day that we wake up, that we're thankful to God for the breath that he's given us. That, that, that's why he says in the scriptures, let everything that has breath, Praise the Lord. Give him thanksgiving because it wasn't us that woke us up. So in Luke 18, verse 11, it says, the Pharisee, that's his title. He stood. Now, all of us can stand. We can lay prostrate. We can be on our knees. We can pray any kind of way. But there's something in the way that he, in this second example, I'll show you, they're standing up because they want to be seen. They want to be heard. They don't think that they need to, to kneel or lay prostate before God because of their position, who they are. Does God know who I am? 
So the Pharisee stood and began praying in, in the regard to himself. Now, if you know anything about prayer, there's the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration, that's you starting your prayers almost like when you see the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer, Our Father, that you start out talking to God in adoration, giving him praise, acknowledging all that he is. Adoration, confessing, confessing your sins, your sins against a holy God. Thanksgiving is the third, that you're going to God thankful. Then you do supplication. But this says that he is going to go and he's going to stand And he's going to be praying in regard to himself, not to God, nothing about God. It's the list is about himself, himself. When you go to God through the the name of Jesus Christ, your prayers should not be false prayers, should not be prayers of pride. He's starting out his list with, I'm praying about myself. Wrong answer. Here's his list. God. I thank you that I am not like other people. You're like everybody else. You're a sinner. And only sinners who are saved by the redeemed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ are going to find themselves in eternal life. But in this case, he's telling God at the beginning, I'm talking to you, God, but I'm talking to you about me. And I'm glad I'm not like other people. Who says that to God? A lot of people. A lot of people in the 21st century believe because they are, quote unquote, with title, with authority, with leadership, with I've been in the house of God for 50 years. I've got my own pew. People know me. I'm deacon. I'm trustee. I'm pastor. I'm bishop. I'm I'm the usher. I'm the lead. This I am not like other people. Then he's going to recount all the other people, the sinners. He's forgetting that he's a sinner and that his attitude coming before God is sinful. His listing of all these different people, he's not like the other people. is showing that you are just like the other people and more because at least the other people know that they crooked. They know they're swindlers. They know they got issues. But you are trying to say, about a prayer to God? How you trying to puff up yourself? You're thankful for what you have in yourself? Where is God in the list? God is not even on the list. But I'm not like other people, swindlers, crooked, adulterers, or even like he has the audacity to point to the man beside him, like this tax collector. His list was so full of all the things that he didn't recognize that would be an offense to God. And then to top it off, to not just talk about types of people, types of sinners, he points to a guy that's in this presence and says, I'm not even like him, the tax collector. The tax collector, as you go on to read the other verse, will show you that he's repentant, he's humble, And he wants to come before God and go to God and ask his forgiveness and repent. He had a list of repentance where this Pharisee had a list of pride. He was thankful to God, went to God in prayer of thanksgiving on a list to God to tell him, hey, God, be pleased with me. 
because I'm better than the other people. That's what he said. I didn't make that up. Let's go to another example. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. This is one I often read because when I was a young believer, I was very concerned that there were people that I loved that did a lot of stuff in church and were religious, but did they have the relationship with Christ? And in this example, Christ shows us that many people in that time are going to come and recount a list of false ministry. And why do you say false ministry? You can do the works of Christ, which are going to list in your name. We did prophecy in your name. We drove out demons in your name. Going to go through this whole list. Those things happen. Yes, that was ministry, but the motives behind the ministry, that's the falseness because Christ is going to say to them, you've listed out the things that you did in my name, but I don't know you. My name allowed power to come through you to be used for ministry for people who were earnest to learn and give their lives to me. But you never did. You did these things and you were doing them for the wrong motives and reasons. And that should be something that I think should cause us to pause because there's a lot of people that go to church and they do things and it looks like they, they are just doing the part marvelously but they don't know God. They know of God, but the power and the burning of your heart's desire to be found in love relationship with Christ, to know him and he knows you, wasn't there. And they didn't concern themselves with that because they were having the title and they were doing the things of the ministry. And here in verse 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Now, many will say to me, here's the list. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, cast out demons. And your name performed many miracles. They listed out their resume to God to tell God why you need to let me in because I've been a great member of your church. I've been a great first Baptist, second Pentecostal, uh, third Ebenezer, all these things. I've been a great Catholic. I've been a great Protestant. I've been a great whatever, whatever, whatever. Let me in. I've checked the box. Let me in. Be thankful for what I've done. And come on, let me in. Now here's Christ saying the truth back to them. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you leave me, you who practice lawlessness. They had the acts, they didn't have the connection. I say this because we go before Thanksgiving and we go into it by the same old, same old posture this is what we do. We eat the turkey, we eat the ham, we get some potatoes, sweet potatoes. It's all about the food, 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 food. The whole premise of Thanksgiving is to give thanks to God. The thanks to God has been thrown out for the turkey. It's been thrown out for the patting ourselves on the back. It's been thrown out for everything but in everything give thanks to God. 
Matthew 6, verse 5 is another example of a Pharisee. And you see Matthew 6, verse 5, before you start to get to the disciples' prayer where they ask, teach us how to pray, and Jesus gives the Lord, what we say, our Father who art in heaven, and do that whole. But Christ brings it to a head at the very beginning of Matthew 6 to talk about the Pharisees again. And he says, and when you pray, talking about how we pray, when we pray, he wants to be clear. I don't want false religious prayers talking with your mouth and nothing to do with your heart. And that's what he's going to say. Hypocrites, you're hypocritical. You're not being truthful. You're not being honest. You're showing one thing of pious and religious and, oh, I'm just loving God and I'm going to stand on the corners and I'm going to say these long prayers. But it's not about God. It's just like that Pharisee before who was about himself. And this same example, it's about themselves. The hypocrisy, it's not about God. It's about them being puffed up in front of the people. He says, not, excuse me, it says, and when you pray, you are not to be like hypocrites, for they, one, love to stand. They don't want to go prostrate. They don't want to get on the knees. They love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners so that they will be seen by the people. Their words of prayer are not about thanksgiving to God. Their list is to show, I want to be seen. I want to be heard and by who? They don't want to be heard and seen by, by God Almighty. They want to be seen by the people. This is Christ Jesus saying, so that they will be seen by the people. Here's Christ speaking the truth. Truly, I say to you, the people that he just said, and when you pray, truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. What they want is not coming from God in any way, shape, or fashion. They got what they want. They want to be seen by the people. God is not receiving that. God is not honoring that. And when they come before him, when they have the judgment of their lives, they're not getting any stones in their crown because of that false bravado of speaking just for the people. Now we're going to see Christ's list. I want you to see a great example of where Christ gives the list, Christ gives the praise, Christ is going to show a level of thanksgiving and praise from his mouth to the people, not the people telling them, puff me up because I'm so great. I want you to see, and this is an example of John the Baptist. John is his cousin, second cousin, Elizabeth and Mary are cousins, and then this is the child born to Mary. You find that John is in prison. He's about to be beheaded. His disciples are sent from John to say, are you the one or should we expect another? The disciples are, are told a list. And basically this list is to tell John, this is what you see and have heard. And this list is going to tell you about Jesus. This is his list. That's why I said, are you thankful for his list? Are you thankful for yours about you? But when we see his list, that he's going to speak of himself, what he's doing as deity and flesh, then you're going to see that Christ, when Christ wants to be a blessing and bless you and acknowledge you, he can and he will. But he doesn't do that as the norm. But since he knows that John the Baptist, the forerunner, is about to lose his life, 
to fulfill the prophecy of what they know he was the forerunner, but he is going to lose his life. He's going to share what he thinks about John. He's still going to require for us to be thankful for his list and who he is. But he's also going to acknowledge something about John. But we want the acknowledgments and the praise and the, hey, thank you now. Let's do an appreciation. I am so, I shouldn't say the way that I really get frustrated at how we spend so much time praising and acknowledging ourselves, our programs about this and this. Oh, it's this 10th, it's this 20th, this 50th. This... Come on now. Where's Jesus? How many days, how many months did Jesus go say, hey, we, I'm 33. Have we had my anniversary yet? Hey, I'm 33 years old. I've done a lot of miracles. Have we had a praise party for me? If we spend so much of this energy talking about Jesus to these unsaved people, to these backslidden people, but here we go. Let's start on Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 through 15. I do plan to also speak out of Luke 7, verses 18 through 30, which is the same story, but it adds something to the list that Christ says that I want us to show. So it says here in verse 4, Jesus said to them, the disciples that John had sent, Go and tell John what you have, what you see and hear. Here's the list that this is about Jesus, his list. The blind are made to see. Those who could not walk are walking. These are miracles, but I want you to also understand that those are people that actually are seeing the Lord himself, not visually just seeing him, but understanding who he is, who are walking, not just physically walking, which they are, but walking a different life with Christ. So they're seeing and hearing that the blind are made to to be to see those who could not walk are walking. Those who have been have bad skin diseases are healed. Those who could not hear are hearing. The dead are raised up to life. And the good news is preached to poor people. Remember that Pharisee saying, I'm glad I'm not like the other people. Christ loves poor. Christ loved the the rich young ruler, but he had to tell him about the one thing he lacked. Christ doesn't look at partiality like we do in the 21st century. I can't talk to them. I can't help them. Oh, I have to give you a dollar, but get out of my face. You smell. Christ preached the good news to poor people so they could know there's a hope, there's a love. That's on his list. The blind see. Those people that couldn't walk are walking. Those people who were dead are raised to life. And not just physically dead, spiritually dead. In the 21st century, we have a lot of people spiritually dead. The list that we should be thankful for is that we can go tell them the truth of God's word and they would be able to love Christ and have a life eternal and be able to live here. It says, he is happy who is not ashamed of me and does not turn away because of me. Now, here's another, the same passage, but, um, okay, I want to read that same passage. I may confuse you a little bit because I want to see, show that part of the passage out of Luke 7, verse uh, 18, but then I'm going to finish up the part in Matthew because I want to see, I want you to see how he goes over his list, but there's one thing that he didn't mention in the list in Matthew that he lists in Luke. So let me read this again out of Luke, the same kind of comparison, two different disciples speaking through the spirit to say the same thing. 
On verse 18 of Luke 7, it says, the followers of John the Baptist told him about all these things. John called two of his followers and sent them to Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come or are we to look for another? The men came to Jesus and said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or are we to look for another? At that time, Jesus was healing many people of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. He kind of covered that. And here's this part that he doesn't address in Matthew and putting and was putting out demons. People were demon possessed and Christ was putting out demons that wasn't discussed in the Matthew part. Many that were blind were able to see. We saw that Jesus said to John's followers, go back to John the Baptist and tell him what you have seen and heard. Tell him that the blind are made to see those who could not walk are walking. Those with a bad skin disease are healed. See the same list, but he didn't talk about the putting out the demons. There are some people living this life in the 21st century that Christ on his list wants to put out the demons. There are demons of addictions. There's demons of relationships. There's demons of bad attitudes, bad thinking. There's demons of mental health issues. There's all kinds of things that are playing the people in this realm. Now, here's the part of how John is going to be spoken of by Jesus. We're going back to Matthew now. Now, Christ lets his disciples, the John disciples, leave to go back to John. But then he starts to talk about to the people there to tell them some praiseworthy things about John. He doesn't often do this, but he does it here. In verse seven, it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse seven, as the followers of John the Baptist went away, they didn't hear this part. Jesus began to tell the people about John. Here's the list he's going to say about John. But he asked them a question. He said, what did you go out to see in the desert? A small tree shaking in the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in good clothes? You know, John wasn't dressed in no good clothes, but he's asking because he knows the motives of the people who he speaks to. Who he speaks to then, he speaks to now. He knows our motives. He knows our thoughts are far off. He knows everything about us because again, Psalm 139, he's fashioned and he knows the substance of our days. It says, those who are dressed in good clothes are in the houses of kings. What did you go out to see? He said it three times. What did you go out to see when you went out to see John? He waits, but then he starts to say some things. One who speaks for God? Is that what y'all went out to to hear? Is that why y'all went out there? Because guess what, saints, people now say, I'm going to church today. I'm going to listen to the teaching on YouTube. I'm going to listen to the teaching on Facebook, Instagram. I'm going to hear the radio or focus on this. I'm going to go listen because I want to hear the word of God. But then when you hear it, you ignore it. You forget it. The cares of this world just get you all discombobulated. But Christ is talking to the people now. What what did y'all go out to see? One who speaks for God. And then he says, yes, I tell you, this is about John. He does speak for God. Yes, I tell you, he is more 
than one who speaks for God. He's more than that. This is Christ getting ready to tell you. This is the thing about people. We want to puff ourselves up like that Pharisee. But here Christ is going to say, this man is in jail because he's speaking the truth. And now he's going to probably lose his life for it. But he's more than one who speaks for God. This is the man the holy writings spoke of when they said, this is past Old Testament prophecy. This is the man the holy writings spoke of when they said, see, I will send my helper to carry news ahead of you. He will make your way ready for you. For sure, I tell you, of those born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. The least in the holy nation of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the holy nation of heaven has suffered very much. Fighting men try to take it. All the early preachers in the law told about it until the time of John. And if you believe it, he is Elijah who was to come. You have, you have ears, then listen. The same teaching down below, we're going to Luke, and we'll start at verse 24. The same thing he says, pretty much identical to the words. The Holy Spirit speaks through Luke to say this. As John's followers were going away, Jesus began to tell the people about the John, about John the Baptist. He said, why did you go out to the desert? Did you go out to see a small tree moving in the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in good clothing? Those who are dressed in good clothing are in the houses of kings. But what did you go to see? One who speaks for God? Yes, I tell you, he is more than one who speaks for God. This is the man the holy writing spoke of when they said, see, I will send my helper to carry news ahead of you. Same, same, same. He will make your way ready for you. I tell you of those born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. The least in the holy nation of God is greater than he. That's saying John is not something that you all, he still doesn't do partiality. Those that accept Christ now, he's not saying you're any less or any better than John, but he does say the least in the holy nation of God is greater than he. All the people who heard Jesus said, all, excuse me, all the people who heard Jesus and those who gathered taxes showed they knew God was right and were baptized by John. They had been baptized by John because they had heard him speak. They'd heard John. When they went out to see John, they heard the message of God and they accepted the message of God and they were baptized. But here's the thing. Here are the people that refused to hear the Lord's list. And we have some of those in the 21st century. Verse 30 of Luke says, but the proud religious law keepers and the men who knew the law would not listen. They would not be baptized by John and they did not receive what God had for them. There are those who are thankful for his list, what he does, what he's doing, what he has done, will do. And there are those who say, I don't really need to be thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got me. I'm going to listen to me. I'm going to praise me. And for those, I would tell you, 
Hell is hot. Hell is hot. God has given us all the opportunity to accept his son, Jesus Christ. Now, as we go into Thanksgiving, I wanted to leave these two scriptures for talk about thankfulness. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Pray right. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Have a good attitude. Be expectant of what God is going to do. The last scripture is Psalm 69, 30, New Living Translation. Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor him with thanksgiving. And I just want to share with you, I hope that all of you get, get with the Lord and pray. Make this Thanksgiving something different. Yes, you can eat the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and all that good stuff. I'm not saying that, but don't push Christ out. Thank him before, during, and after the Thanksgiving because we have something to be thankful for. I love you and Lord willing, I will see you next time. There will not be a Milkshake Monday on November the 20th because we're doing it now. God bless you. I love you. Happy Thanksgiving. <music>